0: Hey there, this is Mason Gordon, and you're listening to Soilcraft's Regenerative Agronomy Podcast, where we aspire to bring transparency to farmers through education. And now we'll head over to the studio where you'll meet the team and we'll introduce this episode's topic. Welcome to the third episode of our podcast, where today we're going to talk about mission. I'm joined here by some of our team, Ben Verblack. Trent Graybill. And Dwayne Bowman. Yeah, thanks guys. So last time we talked about our vision statement and what that entailed. Today we're going to talk about mission. One of the ways we think about mission is it's the way that we live out our vision. It's what we do here at Soilcraft to accomplish that vision. That's the overarching thing, our mission. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. It's proved difficult here at Soilcraft to define our mission into a statement. It's been pretty tough because we're constantly asking the question, what are we doing and how can we serve our farmers better, our growers, our clients? And how can we accomplish our vision better? Constantly asking those questions. So we're gonna talk about it in four different points today. One, our goals of operations. Two, types of products and services that we offer. Three, our primary customers and markets, and four, our region of operations. So we're going to start with our first one, our goals of operations. And I'll ask you, Trent, about that. Goals of operations. What are our goals of operations?
1: Well, I would say that starting out, obviously, it's, I guess you could say, evolved throughout the last 12 years or however long it's been. But I think primarily, I get excited about solving issues and solving problems that we have as farmers and as producers but doing it in a way that improves our profitability and makes us more money ultimately because if we're we're able to make more income so to speak we're able to try more things that maybe we couldn't afford you know if we didn't have you know some of the income that we had and so the
2: goal of operations and how we improve the quality and profitability of farms and farmers. So I might add to something that I find is we're trying to improve the quality of, you know, the farms, right? But also the farmers, like we want to improve the quality of life of farmers. And by that, I mean, agriculture draws people, draws us all in for a host of reasons. But really what's common Right is that that aspect of stewardship, being responsible for you know the land, the the ecosystem, the environment w- we're in, but also we often find ourselves as we're trying to be profitable, we find ourselves maybe sometimes off kind of where we started and where we began. And so I know something I I take great enjoyment in working with producers is kind of drilling down on that too, like what drew you to this, you know, and and where do you want this to go and have we wandered I I know I've, I experienced it on my own family farm where, you know, we really had to stop and say, are we, are we doing what we want to do? Are we doing what we set out to do? Things like this. And so I think when we talk about our goal of operations, improving farms and farmers, you know, sometimes that starts with, you know, those questions. And then we get farther into the details of of how we accomplish that. Does that resonate with you, with you guys?
1: yeah i think that i'm just thinking back i kind of lost my train of thought earlier but thinking back when i began with Dwayne clear back whenever that was 12 years ago and started down this road on his farm with apples and cherries <laughs> and things like that the person who had the farm before was a pretty good farmer and he he, he seemed to be fairly profitable he was you know well known in the community and so they bought that over and they took they took over something that was operating for the most part, pretty well. But immediately, you know, Dwayne's like, how can we improve this? How can we get this thing rolling and, you know, make more income and make our, because obviously in tree fruit, it's different than some crops, but quality is huge when it comes to profitability. And so it's was like, how can we improve our, you know, quality of, you know, these fruit to make them make higher pack outs or whatever, more color, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So then That was kind of the question. So then how do we do that? Then we implement all these different types of practices with, you know, different types of products and methods of application. Anyways, those are
3: just some things that I thought about. That's good, Trent. I think we can make this just kind of break it down. I think it's been said, but I just want to make sure it's concise. That would be, we want to grow healthy food. That's for the consumer. That's for the farmer. That's for everybody that eats food, which is everybody on the planet. We want to improve farms. We want the soil to improve. We want the profitability to improve. And we just want something that we have to hand down in the future. And then the last thing is, which I already said, is we want profitability. Because if you don't have a profit, you don't have a farm.
0: Yeah, that's right. So really, we're here leading knowledge education teaching the growers we're kind of a tool in the back pocket of our clients and that's why they, they work with us we want to improve their profitability we want to help them solve their problems problems on your farm and so we're we're a tool in the back pocket let's move on to the next one if we're done talking about that we can always come back to some of it but types of products and services what we offer how do we filter those
1: well i would say ultimately with this idea of obviously what we believe which i you know i don't know if you mentioned that earlier but i believe like many others that we can produce crops that are healthy for people healthy for the environment and we can mitigate the issues that we deal with specifically pest disease quality issues etc through basically nutrition management or through means that are non-toxic and so with that in mind and that we believe that's possible to grow these crops and deal with issues without using different types of you know toxic inputs that are potentially harmful for the environment for soil for humans animals etc so with that in mind we begin to search for and look for things and tools that accomplish those goals and in that process through using different types of technology, plant sap analysis, different types of soil analysis and biological analysis, et cetera, we begin to realize there's a lot of things that we are doing and things that are in the inputs that we use as growers that are contributing to some of the problems that we're having. And so when we look for tools in our toolbox, so to speak, to solve these issues, a lot of them are, you know, end up being products or mineral nutrition, biostimulants, microbials, biopesticides, etc. I guess what I'm looking for are products that are clean, that don't have, you know, other byproducts, things that maybe are in there, but they're not on the label. So through some of these newer technologies with, you know, lab analysis and all the different things we have at our fingertips now, we can send things to the lab and see what's in them. And then we can also, when we apply it to the field, we can see how the plant responds to those products via plant sap analysis, which is why it's so amazing because we can apply something that we thought was cool and we thought was a great product. And then we can watch the plant's reaction. And many times we've seen, whoa, that was not good. We thought this input was designed to do this And then it had this response that would actually contributed towards the, maybe the disease side or, you know, pathogens or to the, you know, a quality issue that we're trying to fix. So that's kind of how I look at how we find and how we, the types of products that we are ultimately, we want to offer the highest quality, the best, the cleanest, that are going to help us solve the problems that we need to solve.
3: I really like you explaining that Trent, that, some products you can put on. And it just opened my eyes here a couple of years ago when we ran all those tests and we got the SAP analysis back. And it was clear to everyone in the room when we looked at those SAP analysis that there were products that we would no longer sell because they did nothing as far as what we needed them to do. And that is why agriculture is going to change in the future is because we can look at that and we can tell what a product actually does if it does what it's supposed to or if it messes up the plant and so i think that's huge mm-hmm. thank you for that mm-hmm.
2: and i think that's great to transition a bit into what we were talking about so products but services are and testing are like they're linked is what i hear you saying mm-hmm. i really like the you know the saying you can't manage what you don't measure and i think those two are coupled together, and I think what we're finding through some of our services we offer testing through SAP analysis, it offers us the ability to be more precise in the use of our products and in the selection of our products and the method, right? The timing and things like that, which so when we talk about services we offer, I think I think it starts there, right? we We sell products, so we need services we need testing to analyze the efficacy you know when we apply these at said time is the product effective is our timing appropriate and then to that we're constantly looking for the best test so how do we measure that you know we talk about that a lot oftentimes just because something's new we have a tendency to to do it because it's novel but you know we have criteria here when we use those tests I know myself We've all used tests as best as we can, but to me, the best measure of a test is one that 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 when it's provided providing information low, high, whatever that might be, when we act on the information given, do we achieve results and I know that's been one of the biggest frustrations as an agronomist as a farmer and then an agronomist is you know i I would take tests, tests would say do do such and some. I would do it, and I felt, uh, you know, I didn't see the test change after doing whatever I did, mm-hmm. and I didn't see a, I didn't see an increase in virtually anything. Often, I didn't see an increase in yield. I didn't see, didn't see an improvement in crop resilience. And so, I know for me specifically with SAPS, that's uh, people might ask, why do you guys, why do you say, you know, plant, you know, fluid extract? Why do you talk about it so much? I know for me, the reason it was a game changer is because it's one of the first tests that. I could take after learning and of course you know we're farther down the road so we're it's getting a lot easier to use that information but wow it says i have an excess of this i i apply something appropriately to to offset that and oh, i see a crop response sometimes almost immediately i see results and so i think we continue to do that we're continuing to try to vet testing and different analyses such that we can be precise and bottom line, if we find something that is more accurate and provides better results when we obey the test, if you will, then we're going to move towards that.
1: Yeah, I think that's huge because it's, it's a challenge too, because in some ways it goes against what we've always known or what we've been told. And so now we're like, maybe the analysis and the methods of testing and the different types of extracts on soil tests, et cetera, et cetera, have been in some ways leading us astray for so many years and <laughs> so it's sometimes it's hard to swallow that like finding new methods of analyzation that are more accurate might shed light on some of the things we've been doing have been kind of sending us in the wrong direction and sometimes that's hard to accept but and so sometimes that gets us in trouble too because we're these guys making these recommendations for people and they're like this is crazy like you know this is not what anyone's told me to do well that's partially because of what the types of different technologies we're using to find out what we need to do. But the other thing I was going to mention too earlier back on, you know, when, how do we search and the types of products so along with these services is many times we can get a bad rap for being expensive. Yeah. And part of that is because, or maybe sometimes it's, it's more of a, a misconception because so many times the things that we find that are clean, that are extremely efficient, are more concentrated or maybe they don't look more concentrated based on what the label says but they're many times much more efficient so we end up being able to use less of high quality products and get a similar response and not end up necessarily spending more money but at face value it can come across that way
3: yeah i appreciate that i was going to point that out that we might start with a more expensive product but in the end it's actually cheaper because if we're putting on a product that's messing with our plant, then we might have to buy more products to mitigate the insects or the disease that comes along. So what you said is huge there, Trent, that we might start out more expensive, but in the long run, we won't have to buy other products as well.
2: That's great. Yeah. You know, I mean, we did uh, some testing. And this has been two years ago now where we we set out on a crop vegetative crop in the peak of the growing season and we just started applying different for that very reason you know we had we were carrying two different lines a cheaper product and a more expensive product and and we said okay let's try to do this so we went remember we went out and did dollar for dollar applications of the same nutrient and it turned out that dollar for dollar we saw virtually a similar impact The, the caveat to that is the the cheaper product was not as precise so in this instance, you know, we were trying to move phosphorus, the cheaper product moved phosphorus just as well as the, as the more expensive, but it also moved a lot of other things, including weren't good. aluminum mm-hmm. and chloride yeah. and sodium, things that yeah. we don't want moved. And so, so I, yeah, just as an example, I mean, that's, you're spot on. How often are we buying something that's more affordable now, mm-hmm. but, but we get free things with it that
0: end up costing us money to mitigate it mm-hmm. later. Yeah, that's good. what I'm thinking about is it's important to have data but it's even more important to have the correct data.
1: Mm. Without the correct
0: data, it may be important to put a product on, but it's even more important to put the correct product on. Mm -hmm. Without the correct product, you you do damage. So let's move into our our third section, which is primary customers and markets. Who do we want to work with? Who work with us best? Let's talk about that a little bit.
3: I feel like that who we want to work with are the people that have an understanding of where we're coming from. That's one thing. We want to work with customers who want to leave the soil better when they're done with it. We want to work with customers who want to grow healthy crops. Now, there are other people we would like to work with, those that don't get it. But sometimes that's kind of hard. If someone doesn't understand your basic background and don't understand your vision and cannot identify with it, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Is that making sense? Mm -hmm. So the whole thing comes together when you have a company that wants to lead that way and you have farmers that want to do that and they can buy in. Buy in is so important. I might have said in an earlier podcast about selling a product to someone that really wasn't bought in. And it becomes apparent very quickly if that's the right thing or not because that customer I ended up going out before he even applied it. And I took the product back because he didn't understand. He didn't know what he was doing and he really didn't want to. And it's just really hard to work with that. Yeah, that's good.
2: I might add to circle back around to that, you know, farmers and ranchers committed to change, looking for a better way. But um, also, you know, some of it depends on what those people are looking for. I might just circle back just slightly to, to the services we offer, right? Which, It's going to include farmers and ranchers who are looking for somebody to help them writing nutrient prescriptions, somebody to help them with scouting. You know, maybe they're looking for help. Man, I'm I'm trying to do this. I'm committed to change, and I feel great about this. But I really need help scouting. Yes, that's something something we do. You know, well, you know, I've been trying all these different things, but I really need help bringing you know my results and putting it into a program that can be repeatable. And so. You know, we're looking for farmers who are who I, want to change, but yeah. in those ways. Yeah. Can I
3: interrupt you a minute? Dude, yeah. You said something interesting, putting it into a program that's repeatable. That is important. But there are also programs out there that are very, very repeatable yeah. and don't get good results. And that's, that's something that we fight against constantly. I know yeah,
2: that's a great point. Yeah, just because it's repeatable and, and we know it. Some of that would be, okay, here's what we've been doing, identifying some things to change, and then do a trial next to it where we modify those things and compare. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I might mention that on this specific subject of, you know, customers, clients, markets, farmers, the people that uh, we tend to work with, or I should say that we, we like to work with. Ultimately, you know, we're not going to be, uh, what's the term? Um, yeah. It's necessarily selective. You know, we're willing to work with anyone who's willing to work with us. But sometimes, depending on the dynamics or or the, the maybe the vision or the belief that this, a certain person has, when you're trying to accomplish certain goals, but you have different paradigms. core beliefs, different paradigms, usually those relationships tend to not last very long. Because it's like, hey, you know, our, our vision is to make healthy soils, healthy people, ultimately through how we grow food and how we grow crops and how we treat these things. And so if someone's like, oh yeah, you know, you guys seem like you're on the cutting edge and you've got cool, you know, inputs and you understand this stuff, but I really don't care about that. All I want to do is make more money. And so when you get into sticky situations on making certain decisions of how you're going to improve these things, and I've had those experiences before where that was all the people cared about. And so we're like, well, hey, we want to try to mitigate this disease issue or this pest. And it's like, well, that's expensive. Why would we do that? Like we can just go spray a cheap insecticide, nuke the insect and move on. And ultimately like that's not necessarily our goal. Our goal isn't just to do you know, the cheapest and improve the yield as high as we can get to make the most ROI. Yes, we want to do that and we, that, that ends up happening, but a lot of times it's a different process, a slower process of dealing with the disease and in insects from a preventative manner. And so sometimes that takes more input up front. Before you necessarily see that result, it it might be a a slower progress to get there. Anyway, so I think ultimately it's people that we work with and tend to really enjoy working with us. We tend to have the same vision. We believe similar in what we want to do and how we want to grow things and how we want to solve problems.
3: I might have something to add there, and that is people who we want to work with. People say in some ways I'm a visionary. But yet, there is a vision that I maybe had that has been far exceeded with Soilcraft. And that is, I was just interested in helping the people that I could reach right around me. But, you know, I got some young guys that came on board, and their vision was expanded far beyond mine. And that's what's led to us having franchises. And so, we do set up franchises and teach them. And then the model just continues to grow.
0: Yeah, it's a good segue into our next section here. And the last one, our fourth, region of operations. What are our region of operations? I'll say we're currently working in Washington State, central Washington, and we have a location over in Idaho as well. And you mentioned franchises. We're looking to expand into many other different regions. That's part of our vision and the franchise model has allowed us to be able to work with some really great people. And about a year and a half ago, we sat down and decided, how do we expand this? How do we take our vision and this passion and teach it to other people and have other people be part of something like this? And so we franchised the company and that's our first location is over there in Idaho. That's that's a franchise location. And so, again, our vision, I'll state this as we leave here. Our vision is to be the company that leads the world in healing people by redeeming agricultural principles and practices to the way the creator designed it. That's our vision statement, and it is big, but we're tackling it by the grace of God. Mm. So we work with, with many different people throughout the states. We're always open to new ideas. We are working together as a team. That's our desire is to build a team, a healthy and effective team do that through franchising. We want to do that with our customers and our clients. That's why we talked about the vision, even with those people that we work with. The vision, it's important. We don't want to be fighting vision when we don't need to be. So let's end with that. Thank you for listening. It's been another successful podcast. If you have any questions or a topic that you'd like to hear us address, please email us at podcast at soilcraft.com. Until next time, thanks again for listening.